0: Okay, Oppenheimer is the guy who's getting all the attention this summer with the movie and Killian Murphy in it and uh, well known, of course, for his role in the development of the atomic bomb. But blockbuster author Evan Thomas has produced an exciting new book, Road to Surrender, Three Men and the Countdown to the End of World War II. And it's all about the lesser spotted characters behind the dropping of two atomic bombs in Japan in 1945. Evan Thomas joins us now from the United States. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Oliver. Um, it's an amazing subject. Where do you begin on, on something that a story of this scale and the results of which continue to reverberate?
1: Well, it was almost inevitable that the United States was going to drop this, these bombs. We'd spent two billion dollars building it. Uh, the Japanese didn't want to surrender. But that doesn't mean that the people who are making this decision didn't agonise over it. And the case in point that I write about, and it's a it's a dramatic tale, is uh, the Secretary of War Henry Stimson. He keeps a diary, and he in the in the spring of 1945, he realizes the time is coming when we're going to have to use this thing. And he writes in his diary, he calls it by its code name S1, but also refers to it as the awful, the terrible, the diabolical, a Frankenstein monster. He knows just how awful this thing is going to be. He didn't know quite how awful it is, actually. It's even worse than they think it's going to be. But the point is that there's a lot of agonizing on the American side. And I also get into the Japanese side on this, which in many ways is more important, because people always wonder, did we really have to drop these bombs? Did we really have to do it? Mm-hmm. And the answer, I believe, is yes, because the Japanese— we're just not going to surrender. And I, I build my Japanese story around a, a Japanese foreign minister, a fellow named Togo, who's the only one who wants to surrender, the only one in the high command of the Japanese government. And the rest of them are just virtually suicidal. They just want to fight the, to the bitter end, to bleed the Americans until we give them some kind of a deal. Uh, it's a very dramatic. Most people don't realize what a close thing it was, uh, how close the Japanese came to not surrendering, even with two atom bombs. There was a coup attempt on the last night, and most people don't know this, but we were getting ready to drop a third atom
0: bomb. Did the U.S. have a third atomic bomb?
1: The U.S. Had, was getting a third ready. It would have been ready by August 20th. Mm. Uh, so the, the Japanese surrender on August 15th. They had about another five days before we would have dropped a third atom bomb on Tokyo.
0: How close did that come to actually happening?
1: Pretty close. Uh, President Truman told the British Embassy on August 14th, he said, sadly, he said, uh, it looks like we're going to have to drop a third atom bomb on Tokyo. And they would have had the parts, uh, they would have had the bomb assembled by about August 20th.
0: And uh, it, it, was, it was the insight of the, the Japanese foreign minister, wasn't it, Shigenori Togo, who had to convince the Japanese to surrender, but he came pretty close to almost failing.
1: Well, the Japanese were, it's hard to imagine, because uh, they were defeated. You know, their their fleet was sunk and their cities had been burned. But the militarists who ran the government were determined to fight to the bloody, bloody end. They, their hope was to force the, the Americans to invade and have such a overwhelming bloodbath that we would throw in the towel and say, look, okay, we won't occupy you. You can keep your emperor. Uh, no war crime trials. That's another thing that they wanted because they knew in a war crimes trial they were all going to get hung, as seven of them were. Uh, so they they wanted to force a, an American invasion. And that is, uh, you know, something we were getting ready to do but didn't want to do because we knew – the loss of life on the American side was going to be at the very minimum about 30,000 people in the first month versus, say, 12,000 in the bloody battle for Okinawa.
0: I want to take a little step back uh, in the story of Henry Stimson in particular, the US uh, Secretary of War at the time, because you mentioned that Tokyo came close to being the third site of an atomic bomb explosion. Uh, Uh, He's kept awake at night earlier this spring about the firebombing of Tokyo, isn't he?
1: Stimson, the United States is firebombing uh, Japanese cities, and the Secretary of War is not happy about this. We're doing it because nothing else works. You know, we talked in World War II about precision bombing, the Americans did, and we weren't able to do it. Uh, We tried to do precision bombing in Japan with our new airplane, the B-29, and it didn't work. The that From 30,000 feet, the jet stream, we discovered something called the jet stream, which blew the bombers off course. And so as a result, instead of trying to hit precise targets, we just started burning cities down with napalm, with, with incendiary bombs. Same thing that the British and the Americans did in Dresden in February of 1945. It was a very effective way. It was horrible, but it was effective. And it was really the only thing that, that, that worked for sure. Uh, so that we were stuck burning cities, and and Stimson, Secretary Stimson, goes to Truman and he says he's he's upset. This is in June 1945. He's upset with with firebombing for two reasons. One, firebombing will remind people of the Germans. He doesn't want America to be compared with the Nazis. Yeah, right. At making atrocities. But two, and here's the irony. He says he's afraid if we burn down all the Japanese cities, there won't be one left to use as a backdrop for this new weapon. (laughs) You know, it's a pretty dark irony. Yeah. And and Stimson writes in his diary, he says that the president laughed. Now, think about this for a second. That laugh was not some jolly ha 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 laugh. That was the laugh of a bitter, gallows humor, you know, a mirthless laugh by a president who didn't know what else to do. We were trying to end this war and there was just no way to do it. Diplomacy wasn't going to work. The Japanese weren't going to go for that. And so we end up using this even worse bomb.
0: It's extraordinary considering that the firebomb on Tokyo, I mean, there's one occasion, is there, where 100,000 civilians die in pretty much a single military operation. How do they not consider that was going to be enough?
1: Well, they didn't really know what they were doing, to tell you the truth. But they find out from the Japanese they've killed 100,000 people We know now that was more people than died in six hours in any battle in history. Mm -hmm. But that's not enough, because the Japanese have have this willingness to absorb terrible punishment in this idea that eventually, if they force the Americans to invade, we would bleed so much, we'd give them what they wanted. What did they want? They wanted the Americans not to occupy Japan. And they wanted to keep their imperial structure. They wanted to keep the emperor in charge. Really, that's a way of saying keeping the military in charge. Yeah, the people who yeah. want to run Japan, they want to be in charge. They don't want war crime trials, as it was when they finally did surrender. Seven of them were hung in war crimes trials. Others sentenced to life imprisonment. Tojo, to, to the former prime minister, shot himself, failed, and then we we did hang him. He missed. He shot himself and missed, and then we hung him. So right. that was the fate awaiting the Japanese leaders if they if they didn't surrender.
0: Uh, on the Japanese side of the or story. They, or if they did surrender. Well, they do surrender, but it, it, it takes a very long time to get to that point, doesn't it? And it's extraordinary, as you said earlier, that it, it takes two atomic bombs, but they're not even ready to sub- surrender. So uh, the story of the Japanese foreign minister, Togo, is absolutely crucial to this moment in history and his part in it. And we never knew about him until now.
1: Togo is one of these heroes in history that you never heard heard of, never heard about. Uh, but he is the one guy in the Japanese government. I mean, the, the, the Supreme War Council, the people who actually run Japan, who are mostly military people, almost all, they're all military people except for Togo. And only Togo sees that the country is dying, and they need to surrender. And it's Togo who persuades the emperor, who's a rather passive figure up to now. Mm-hmm. He persuades the emperor, look, you've got to surrender. And the emperor does it at, at great risk. To everybody, because there's a there's a there's a coup attempt on the last night. The military tries to tries to run a coup in the palace and smash the recording of the emperor's surrender speech before it can be played to the nation. So it's it's a very close
0: run thing. It's a close run. Uh, that's after and two atomic bombs. So
1: that's after two atomic bombs. Yeah, the, the the crazy militarists are still rebelling. They they kill the head of the imperial guard and take over the palace.
0: As we know, the Japanese do surrender in the end. What, what becomes of uh, the foreign minister, Togo?
1: Togo is sentenced to 20 years imprisonment as a war criminal, which is nuts. Uh, but, you know, we were these war crimes trials were sweeping with a broad brush. And he, he was sentenced with the others because he had been in the government, the Japanese government, uh, at the time of Pearl Harbor. That was enough to get him sentenced to 20 years in prison. He dies there. Uh, pernicious anemia, uh, really exhaustion,
0: after about uh, about three years in prison. And you're pretty devastated about what happens to him, aren't you?
1: Well, yes. I mean, uh, you know, it it was a miscarriage of justice. Togo probably saved millions of lives. He saved American lives because we didn't have to invade. But he also saved millions of Japanese lives because the Japanese... Either would have to have had to fight an invasion, which would have been a, a bloodbath, or more likely, they would have starved to death as we blockaded Japan. They were on the verge of famine, smallest rice crop in years. Uh, we were cutting their rail lines so they couldn't get their rice to their people. They were by say Christmas 1945. They were going to be dying by the tens of millions from famine and and disease, and you know you know civil war, all these terrible things that follow that. Togo spared Japan that by by persuading the emperor to surrender. So he should be remembered and, and venerated.
0: And of course, the influence of Japan at the time is, is running all the way from China, right across Vietnam, because this was an empire on the march. So it, the Japan we're talking about is a much wider sphere of influence than, than, than it is today.
1: Yeah, we're not we're not talking just about saving Japanese people. We're talking about saving Chinese, Vietnamese, It's estimated that about 250,000 people a month were dying in occupied Asia, Southeast Asia and Asia, because the, 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 the occupation was so cruel. Here's one example. There was a huge famine in Vietnam because the Japanese took the rice crop and tried to convert rice into aviation fuel, which they failed at. But it meant that hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese died of starvation. That's how brutal the Japanese occupation was.
0: I think what's fascinating is that the way you convey that it's impossible for us now to judge the decision to drop the bombs by just looking at the act in isolation. And I found it interesting you decided to uh, write a lot of the book in the present tense, which conveys the urgency uh, of what's happening in the context and uh, how everything is connected in the moment that these decisions are being made.
1: Well, I, I wanted to get at, you know, it's easy to judge these things in hindsight, uh, that there was no choice to use these things. But that doesn't mean that they were happy about it. In fact, Stimson, on the morning that he shows the photo- photographs of Hiroshima, what, what Hiroshima looks like after we've bombed it, he shows the photographs to Harry Truman, the president. Stimson has a heart attack. Wow. Now, Is that a coincidence? I don't think so.
0: The stress of it was obviously enormous. How has the book been received in Japan, or do you know yet, since it's, it's still fairly fresh?
1: I, I don't know yet. I've just sent it to uh, the grandsons of my hero, really, Togo, mm-hmm. to see how they feel about it. Uh, the Japanese are very ambivalent about this. They don't really like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they skip past it. It's just such a terrible period in their history. So that I, my guess is the book will be uh, greeted with silence in Japan. Uh, I, I know that just from uh, – I'm guessing at that just from having dealt with the Japanese, this is not a subject they like to return to.
0: Is it a subject that you think has been discussed sufficiently in the United States in terms of the the moral ambiguity that exists there? On the one hand, saying, we don't want to look like Hitler in terms of carrying out atrocities. But after lots of firebombing that kills hundreds of thousands of people, ultimately they drop the the, the worst and most demonic weapon we've ever had in world history. I I think most people
1: in the United States, the polls show that uh, Two thirds of the people thought the bomb was justified, but a th- about a third think it's not. In our universities, at our higher levels of education, people are generally against the atom bomb. The, the scholarship there has been, gee, we really didn't have to use that thing. The Japanese would have surrendered anyways. I, I disagree with that scholarship. I don't think that. I think the most recent scholarship actually shows the opposite, from Japanese diaries and so forth. Because, as I say in the book, the Japanese just were not ready to surrender. So Americans have sort of a mixed view of this. I, I started this book with uncertainty. I, I I wondered, did we really have to drop those bombs? and Did we have to drop two of them? Was that you know really necessary? And it was only after I'd read a lot of Japanese records that I came to believe that actually, yes, we did. There really was no choice. But again, I wanted to get at how hard that was for everybody on both sides. I wanted to get at the human drama here of what it was like for pretty ordinary people who have this terrible power to use these things, feel there is no choice, but are agonizing. As I say, Stipson had a heart attack. Uh, I write about Tui Spots, a, an American Air Force commander, and he writes in his own diary. He, he, he's the one who gets the order to drop the bomb, and he, he does it, but he, he writes in his diary. He's against it but then is persuaded that it will actually save lives. So, it, you know, it's just not right to think that we were uh, anything but agonized over all this. Uh, there, you know, there wasn't a lot of debate in, its, in a sense. We didn't really debate not using it because it seemed like there was no real alternative. But, that, but I wanted to get at the human drama here, and there was a lot of it.
0: Uh, and you absolutely capture that, uh, even though some of the, the men involved obviously died with enormous amounts of regret. You like to think that their actions were overall, uh, as you say, they saved lives, but that isn't always the common view, is it?
1: No, it's it's not. I think a lot of people think it was unnecessary and if only we just offered the, Japan to keep its emperor, they would have surrendered and everything would have been hunky-dory. I just don't think the record shows that. I, I, I think the Japanese were in a kind of a crazy place uh, circa 1945, And I I think the record actually is pretty overwhelming on this. uh, That the Japanese were just, I don't know what other words to use for it, suicidal, Mm -hmm. determined to fight to this bitter, bitter, bloody end in the hopes that America would give up and allow them to keep their imperial military-run system. That was a forlorn hope ended only by not one, but two atom bombs. There's a meeting of the high Command. On August 9th, after we dropped the second bomb, and the war minister says, wouldn't it be beautiful for the entire country to die like a beautiful flower, like a cherry blossom? Let them drop 100 bombs. That's
0: their state of mind. So they're prepared to, for the end of Japan. It's a story about something that happened 80 years ago and ordinary people making decisions, but really the relevance is about today. How worried are you about today and the proliferation of nuclear weapons and the fact that we're um, a, a Europe is at war right now?
1: Well, we're very worried. Uh, you know, there was a taboo that one of the good things, I, I guess you could say, that came out of dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki is that it was so awful it created a taboo against using these weapons. Actually American policymakers use that word, taboo. I've, I've read it in, in meetings of the National Security Council in the 1950s. And that taboo I fear is going to wear off. The people think you can have some kind of a limited nuclear war. Yeah, I, I, you know, in 1945, there was no risk of escalation by the other side because we were the only people who had the bomb. Japan didn't have the bomb today. If you start a nuclear war, both sides are going to have it. I'm more worried about China than Russia. If we, in in defending Taiwan, we start attacking the Chinese mainland, I fear the Chinese will use a tactical nuclear weapon against our fleet, and we're off and running. And maybe you can have a limited nuclear war, but I don't want to find out.
0: It's an amazing story. Um, it, it's obviously, if we don't learn the histories or the lessons from history, it does tend to repeat itself. Uh, obviously Oppenheimer's coming out. It's going to increase all the interest around this. I presume you're going to be out and about talking about these three men uh, rather than the, the, what, what was, who was kind of the star of the show, Oppenheimer, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, Oppenheimer, he's in the book. I mean, he is a star of the show and the movie I'm looking forward to because I think it's going to get at this moral ambiguity. Uh, but, you know, there are lots of ways to tell this story. And I tell it, you know, by the by, the people who actually made who made the decision on both sides, on, including on the Japanese side. And there's a drama in there that I think people don't quite understand just how how, how close it was, the, the, how close the Japanese came to not surrendering, mm. <laughs> to to forcing the, uh, a third atom bomb. Uh,
0: on the subject of Oppenheimer, he wasn't convinced that the bomb was going to have such an effect in Japan. Was it something to do, he said? It's just going to look like a firecracker.
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's hard to know what he's really thinking. Uh, he predicted it would kill twenty thousand people. Uh, it killed seventy thousand. Uh, so you know a lot more. He, uh, he was—he look—he was traumatized by it too. He, he, there's this scene after the first bomb has dropped. This probably would be in the movie where he comes in like a prize fighter. You know, we're holding his hands up. You know, we did it. But then everybody gets drunk and throws up in the bushes and is kind of miserable about the whole thing because they know this monster that they have unleashed on the world.
0: What a thought to carry with you for the rest of your days. I think it it traumatised him. We'll see how the movie portrays this,
1: but he, he died an unhappy man. Yeah.
0: In the meantime, we have this amazing story and let's hope these lessons are learned from it. It's been a pleasure, Evan Thomas, New York Times bestselling author of Road to Surrender, Three Men and the Countdown to the End of World War II. Thanks a million, Evan. Thanks, Oliver. 51551, that's our text number.